Welcome to Awakening Genius. This is a podcast and community dedicated to your inspiration and your elevation so that you can live fully creatively expressed. I'm your guide, Dijon. Thanks for being here. Stay tuned in to get lifted. Yo, family, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to share something very exciting, and it's that we are opening up a community and a space for transformation through the practice of poetry on awakeninggenius.club. We've already run it one time where we had people come together and write daily poetry as a practice of connecting with self and taking that self-connection and transmuting it into art. And now we're going to come back together to do it again. And at the end of it, if you feel called, you will have the opportunity to work with an editor and contribute to an anthology of all the poets in the group. So if you're feeling called to join that, go to awakeninggenius.club. And remember, the point of this whole podcast is self-realization through creative expression. And this is one way we can come together to be seen, to share, to connect, to create, and to grow. All right, let's get into the episode. Dear brother, here with me today on the show, Mr. Kevin Russell. What's good, Kevin? Good afternoon, sir. It's a pleasure to talk with you again. Always is. So, Kevin and I got connected through his wife when I went to one of her yoga classes. Her name is Kelly, and she's an excellent yoga teacher and does a bunch of different modalities to bring people into deeper levels of connection with their with themselves and I think you two just celebrated your 19th year anniversary, right? Yeah. Not, so we're, we're 19 years together and then married 16 now. Wow. Um, and it's, it's felt like <laughs> that was yesterday is what it feels like. Yeah. I, I just realized that I had been out of high school for 20 years and I was like, whoa, time flies. People say yeah. it always older people say that stuff, but then when it happens to you, it's a different thing every year I get another uh, number older, the cliches start becoming more and more true. (laughs) And they're cliches for a reason. (laughs) One of the blessings of being the age we are is we have experienced life to some degree and to have some sort of ideology that's unique to us and our life experience. And a lot of people have that, but maybe not as many people have formalized it into a book as you have. Kevin released a book this year called Radical Enlightenment. And it's a great book. And instead of butchering it, Kevin, why don't you explain (laughs) what that book is? Yeah. So it's really, it's a, it can be a lot of things. And I think it is a lot of things 
that might be different to different people. But at its core, it's really a handbook on enlightenment. It's a handbook on the step-by-step process that I took to have a massive enlightenment experience just over a year ago now. From the physical practices, the mental practices, and, and unifying concepts that haven't necessarily had bridges built before, things like unified field theory and religion, things like energy work and, and just general life practices and ways that we can incorporate and augment our energy through uh, mindfulness and thought practices, as well as brain training exercises. And it all came flooding out of me in about two and a half weeks after my experience. And it's really a unifying book from my perspective, because it doesn't leave anyone out. It's not exclusive of, of any belief or, to your point, ideology or thought platform. It's really an inclusive kind of universal guide for how to live an energetically optimized life from the inside out, which is really the only, after, at this point, my journey, that's the only way that I've found to do it is from the inside out. Right. Yeah. I love that it's secular. And even more than that, it's not purely a philosophy. It's more of a guidebook. It's very practical. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, there's signposts along the way because, you know, nothing's created in a vacuum. And in some regards, I feel like the book is really the culmination of my interests in life that have included theology and philosophy and things like Stoicism and Taoism, Buddhism, and just looking at it from a more pulled back view instead of focusing on the differences, which I feel like as humans, we get so caught up in because so many of us are trying to not only understand, but also define our place in the world, define who we are. And for that, we've really been trained to look outside. Uh, And this is really an inside out approach to that equation. So it really is the, the macro and the micro at the same time. Amazing. So you were mentioning that it came as a bolt of lightning over a two-week period, maybe you could take us through what was going on in your life pre-inspiration and then what that was like and then what happened. Yeah, the big accelerators for me. So I, and it's funny, as, as this year has gone by, I've been looking in the past, looking backwards and putting the dots together. And so what led up immediately before Uh, for about four or five years was a lot of energy work that both Kelly and I were doing individually and together as a couple. We hit a point in our relationship where we were, we wouldn't call it fighting because we were like, oh, we're not fighting. It's just, we're just having a semantic disagreement or we're energetically stating points. And we we were hesitant to even use the word, but in reality, we were fighting. And the the dis-ease that we were creating by ourselves was manifesting in our daughter coming out in, in habitual patterns uh, and it expressed itself with her just basically picking any blemish, um, any itch that she, and she would just scratch it till it was raw to the point that she looked like she had uh, chicken pox. And because we're still, we were still operating from a very externally focused point of view, some, there, our, our thought was there's something wrong with our daughter. We need to get help for her. And so on the recommendation of a friend, we went to go see a Western general practitioner who also happened to practice a form of uh, psychological kinesiology or muscle testing that he had incorporated into his practice because he wasn't really seeing tremendous results with strictly Western means. And so within seven minutes of sitting down with his doctor and just a brief conversation, 
he is able to get our daughter to a place of recognition that, oh no, the behavior is because she's anxious and has anxiety when, when Kelly and I were fighting. So that was a, the first big aha moment of, okay, my, yeah, everybody has the vibe feeling of if you walk into a room after a fight, you can feel static in the air. Or it feels more electric and like you know, bull in a china shop, like you don't really want to make a move or a really good feeling uh, for a surprise birthday party or a, a reunion of some sort. This really drove home the intimacy and immediacy of the emotional energy that we were putting out into the world and how that can affect not only ourselves and our relationship, but other people as well that aren't even necessarily in the dynamic, but they're around the dynamic. So that took us, that really launched us on our journey. And Kelly ended up getting trained in, in two energetic modalities. One is called the emotion code and the other is called psychological kinesiology or psyche. And those really became the accelerator vehicles uh, for my own practice, for my own self-inquiry journey, for my own journey deeper within myself. And as I started to clear the, the years and decades of dis-ease and conditioning and programming that are built up in my system, I started to gain perspective of what good and quote unquote normal felt like, normal exclusive of any of the trappings of, of life in the sense of regret or anxiety or depression or fear, feelings of scarcity, feelings of, of not being good enough or not being loved. Everything just started melting away the digger I was, the, the further I was digging and got to a point that, so that whole journey was about four or five years of self-discovery, self-inquiry, gradual and, and massive expansion at the same time. I was, I was just chewing up the road, so to speak, on this energetic journey of clearing out all this subconscious nonsense that was just really gumming up the works within myself, physically and emotionally and energetically. I had high blood pressure, tightness in my chest. I've had the labels that exist now could be irritable bowel, leaky gut. I just call it bubble gut, where I just felt floaty and not centered, not solid. And there's a couple different practices along the way that I incorporated, but it was really the, the an accelerated sprint those last five years that led me right up to the enlightenment experience I had last fall and the, the connection, the stronger connection, the reconnection to my inner energy, my energetic core, my you know, really strengthened the, the strength or strengthened the connection to my higher self, God, source, spirit, the universe, which was just the enlightenment experience was amazing enough. But the information I got in the experience from the practitioner was that because of the connection, I was like, wow, that was, this was, it was absolutely mind blowing to the extent that the voice in my head changed in the moment. And I haven't heard it since, but there's been communication um, in images and clear audience and clear essence and clear vision. But the words I heard in, this, in the, this enlightenment experience were, I'm so glad you made it. We're going to have so much fun together. And it was my voice that I heard it in, but just fraction off. So almost like a, a long lost twin. I always knew existed, but it never met. So I come out of the session. The practitioner is giving me the information she got. I'm explaining to her my experience. And she said, so what, you, what I'm getting is that you're here to create a new human design. And the first thing I thought, the first thing that popped in my head was a book. 
And then the analogy she used was, um, it's like you're in a high rise on the elevator going from the third to the fifth floor. And your guy on the ninth floor is like, hey, buddy, up here, this is where the action is. So that's where the second part of the title, my guy on the ninth floor comes from. It's my hyper-personal expression of my higher self, my, my inner God, whatever the term is. And everybody's got one. Everybody's got that connection. And everybody will probably have a different expression of what that is for them. This just happened to be mine. Fast forward two and a half, or fast forward maybe a week and a half after that experience. And I had gotten in my mind's eye, like titles and, and themes and maybe even section headers. And then everything just started falling in to place, like in, in each of those uh, columns, almost faster than I could keep up with. So I started writing by hand notes and ideas and thoughts that would come to me. And then I switched to the computer because I could type faster than I could write. And then I had to switch to voice record because even typing wasn't keeping up with the, this flow, stream of consciousness, divine download, whatever the term uh, you know, is, is comfortable for, for listeners to, to, to connect with. And yeah, then in two and a, I was writing 16 hours a day, wasn't tired, wasn't hungry, just was so in a flow state, more so than I'd ever experienced previously. And then two and a half weeks later, I, had the, I really had the framework uh, for the handbook portion of it, the, the how-to portion of it uh, down. And the, the funny thing with the experience was I was having these, I call them future casting, where I would have, in my mind, I would be experiencing it like I could smell it. I, I was in the moment of having conversations like this and having conversations about it and, and promoting it and, and just almost living what is still to, what is happening now and what is coming. And then I get dropped back into kind of linear time. And I looked up, I'm like, the book's done. Where, why isn't all this happening yet? It's, oh, well, you have to publish it. And you probably need some kind of an agent or some kind of a marketing plan. And the, the more practical applications of writing a book, you know, really fell into my lap. And then that was the journey uh, for the, probably the first three quarters, two thirds of, of 2020 was working with editors, working in the studio with sound engineers to get the uh, audio version of the book done. Having met, uh, re-met or met again, you has been a, a joyful part of this year. And then, yeah, so it just takes us up to now where the framework's there, the foundation's there, the, the book's published, and it's just the spreading the word and helping people to reconnect more strongly with their own inner energy, their own their own energetic core and sharing my path and the ways that I've cleared out all the subconscious uh, programming and conditioning that's gotten me to uh, this place of just profound inner peace and joy and, and love and acceptance that is, it's more profound than anything I've experienced. Well, it's quite a journey. Thank you for sharing it's, all that. It's been a heck of a year and a heck of a five years for sure. <laughs> yeah. So all the way from looking to get your daughter help to recognizing that was a symptom of the energetic discord that you're having in your relationship at the time. And then to both of you taking a responsibility for healing that and then getting inspired. And then the inspiration just coming so quickly that you were shifting how you are receiving it in order to fully like download it all and then actually downloading it 
but then having to bring it into the earth plane in the more traditional ways in which we share information with the book. And it just sounds like you were just getting step-by-step step guided through the process. And you didn't mention this part, but I know that you and your wife are now doing classes and programs to help people integrate this information. So it's like the truth is in the book, but it's also being shared by you and her together in these programs. So yeah, I think that's great. And I think that also speaks to the practical nature of it, where it's not just a concept you're trying to share with people. It's an actual change of people's experiences that you're trying to help them implement if they so choose to engage. Uh, like beautifully synopsized and, and eloquently put. Absolutely. And that's really the, the crux of it is that there, there is no one and done. There's no silver bullet. There's no magic pill to any of this. It, it is a practice that we can choose or not to choose to, to incorporate into our lives. And that's the, the nice part about uh, one, of the, one of the great parts about this, this human experience is the, the aspects of free will. And so we can take the contrast that we experience in life and assimilate things that work for us and decide to not assimilate things that aren't working for us. And who knows, that might be the same in two years. It might be completely different in two years, but it is really, yeah, it's definitely a book to, to take with you on your journey. It was just released in August and I've had people tell me they've already read it three times and each time they've gotten something different out of it. And so it really is one of those. It, it's only a, about 180, 200 pages, but it is a, an A to Z a connection of how everything is the way it is. It addresses some of the whys as far as our quantum experience in the world. And then it is that it is the, the guidebook to take with you as you continue to practice life. And that's really all we are doing. We're practicing. You put so much weight on performance and knowledge. And if I don't know something, I'm less than, but literally all this is a practice. And so the programs that we're, we're conducting and we're, we're walking people through is really, the, it's, tra it's training for the practice. And so it's training, you know, how to incorporate concepts. Uh, one, how to operate from a place of radical energy in the sense that with quantum entanglement, unified field theory, zero point energy, and all the work of theoretical physicists, quantum physicists over the last 150 years, 200 years maybe, it re we really do live a quantum reality. And the great part is we can have purview over that. We can control and, and, and influence our reality based on our internal states. And it's really that training that we're walking people through in one, how do we tap further, how do we tap more into our inner knowing and cultivate intuition and really make it, really make life an inside out experience. Because the entirety of humanity is a consistent of outside in experiences. There's been dangers out in the world, whether real or perceived. And we've been operating from information coming in instead of that innate knowledge being broadcast and shared out. And that's really the, the switch that we're experiencing for ourselves and we're sharing with others. Hmm. So if you mentioned that we're having a quantum experience, what does living in a quantum reality mean to you? Ooh, that's a great question. Our quantum reality for me is our, it's our energetic reality. So every thought, every emotion, every reaction is energetic at its core. 
some energy is easier for others, easier than others to see. So if we run really hard or if we exercise really hard, we'll feel the energetic output. We're really hot. We're sweating. Our body is using our biological processes to bring our, our system back to stasis. That's easier energy to see. The more subtle energies that are quantum are behavioral and really in our mind. And the distinction I make in the book is between our three-dimensional experiences, which include our physical body and our outer world, our fourth dimensional reality of our internal mental space, which is where we can cultivate a, a operational position of the observer instead of being enmeshed with everything that we experience in life. And we're reactive and we're fear-based and, and we're having all of these external influences guide or, or impact us. It's really the distinction between the subconscious and conscious. And once we get to a place of recognition that I am not this vessel that I am in, but this vessel that I am in is the experience that I'm having in life, that perspective really bends space-time because it, it slows things down to some degree and it's just a lot easier to be but it takes the awareness of what's going on in our internal spaces. I think that's really where the quantum experience is, is internal. And it's an experience of contrast because that's really all this practice is experiencing the contrast in the world and releasing resistance to it. The more res resistance we release, the easier everything becomes for ourselves and for everyone around us. And so it's the release of these bottled up emotions because energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only change form. So a negative thought can turn into anxiety. A, a, a traumatic experience from childhood can manifest as any number of things from obesity to sciatica, to depression, to manic behavior. It, it's all energetic. And so when we're talking about quantum, specifically talking about energy, and the energy that we experience, the energy that we cultivate and bring into the world, and the energy that we allow into our system and into our space. And without that perspective, there's no, there, there's no way to say, nope, that's not for me. I don't want that. We just, it just is assimilated and absorbed. And then we wonder and can't figure out why we get dropped into funks for three weeks or why a disagreement with a, a partner uh, it not only will simmer for a week or two, but then that card is going to be in the, in, in both of, you know, the individual's back pocket to then play if anything else comes up or oh, remember when you did this. And so a lot of it is taking ourselves out of the linear space-time experience and giving our energy and giving our consciousness more space to operate within the construct of this three-dimensional world. <laughs> that's heady dude <laughs> <laughs> it is it's um it's funny we're, we're walking three people through the process and sometimes it's like oh wait i need to start at the beginning because i'll get because i've been experiencing it living it for the last five years it's oh wait no okay let, let's start off let's start off with the difference between the conscious and subconscious mind and then we get in but in the quantum is the underlying layer that permeates everything, it's energy. And so is it positive energy that we're cultivating for ourselves and others in our world? Or is it negative energy? Is it self-doubt? 
Is it fear? Is it uh, scarcity? Is it resentment or comparison? So those are the, the ingredients that we create life and our energetic life with. And nobody else has, nobody else can add those ingredients to the mix that is us, but us. And so it really starts with that, that mindfulness and awareness practice of our thoughts, feelings, and emotions, because those are not us. Those are, we experience them. They're part of our body, but they're not the energetic us. They're not the universal us. I heard a guy, young Pharaoh, who is somebody I follow on YouTube, give descriptions of the dimensions in a way that made it very accessible to me and especially a younger generation who plays video games. But he said that the third dimension is when you're playing like a first person shooter game, like James Bond or Call of Duty, where you can see the person's arms as if it's you and you're shooting and you're like walking around, that's 3D. And then 4D is when you're playing like NBA 2K so, or a soccer game. So you're controlling the character, but you're not looking through the character's eyes. Mm-hmm. You're turning them left and they go left, turning them right, they go, but you recognize that they're like separate from you. But in both of those experiences, you're not the video game, literally, like you're right. the person controlling the video game. Yeah. So that is how he explained the nature of the soul and how you're the soul having these experiences. Like the soul is playing us in this dimension the way we're playing someone in Call of Duty. Or if you're operating from a fourth dimensional perspective, then you're actually seeing yourself, but it's still just an experience that you're having. And the experience is colored by the energy that you're receiving and giving off. So knowing that if you are centered in yourself, then you're going to create the type of experience you actually want to have in these quote unquote simulations. Boom. hundred percent. Yeah. The analogy I use in the book is real similar to that. And I took it more from like a driving simulation where the majority of the world right now thinks, so say there, there's a car and a driver in, in the game. The majority of the world right now thinks that they are the car. And because we're operating as if we're the car, we're experiencing all the wear and tear on the tires, all the strain on the transmission, uh, the, the, the bumps in the road, the potholes, the, the chips in the paint, anything, anything that can physically happen to a car, we're experiencing as that as if it's happening to us. So that would be my, my kind of three-dimensional experience. The fourth dimension is moving into the driver's seat of the car. So we are aware that we are driving this car, but instead of being enmeshed with the needing new brake pads or needing an oil change or needing a new battery, we see that the light comes on or we hear, oh, my brakes are a little squeaky, I should probably get new pads, but we're not experiencing the, the, you know, the diminishment of the brake pad viscerally. So it's the observation. So that would be, for me, that would be the fourth dimension. And then moving it even further past that and really connecting with, and in the book I label the fifth dimension is, is quantum, it's energetic. And it, it's not a separate dimension, it's a dimension that's in, imbued and embedded in absolutely everything. And then same with the sixth dimension, which is just pure love, pure God, source, universe, spirit, energy. Same thing, it's all intermeshed and intermingled. But we can even pull a little bit further back than the observer. And then we move into the player of the video game who's playing the game where the driver is driving the car. And then, so that would be that fourth, fifth dimension 
even six dimension inclusion balance. Right. But yeah, no, it, it's totally, it is. I mean, it's like, oh, you know, exit the matrix and there's all these things. And there's a lot of, in my perspective and perception, reality to that, that this is, we are experiencing a simulation in the world we live in. The bodies that we have are our spacesuits. These are our astronaut suits that are adapted perfectly for this planet. And we've taken ourselves by and large out of a natural state of existence. And I think at least since the industrial revolution and, and even before that, I'll take it all the way back to the dynasties of Egypt and, and Mesopotamia and in the beginning of civilization, we've been trying to reconcile our nature with our society and civilization. And the challenges come because it, we've been living outside in and that's, and we've been living outside in for the last 16, 20, 24,000 years to, to a lot of extents. And so it's a reconnection to ourselves. It's a reconnection to nature and in doing it's, it's a stronger connection to every single other human and living being on this planet. Yeah. It's an amazing time of shift that we're in right now. Definitely. So I'm curious to bring it to more of a practical level because we were talking about the practicality of this book mm -hmm. and the exercises. And I know that you've had this enlightenment experience, but you're still a human being and you still have things that come up. So just curious in your current process, like what's most alive in as far as the challenge you're facing right now and what's one thing, one process you use from the book to help you navigate that challenge? That's a great question. So where I'm at now is interesting because a lot of, really the book is the culmination of my journey of getting all of my stuff out of the way, or not even my stuff, the stuff I've experienced. Because the second we start labeling things mine, this is the second they start having greater influence over us. So if, if we identify with states of dis-ease, oh, my anxiety, my depression, my Crohn's, whatever it is, that really starts to embed that state within us. So with that, a lot of what I'm experiencing now is actually energy from other people. Part of the byproduct of my own journey has been, and every single one of us at, at our core, we come off the shelf prepackaged as humans with uh, amazing intuition, with, with empathy, or we're all empaths. We all have clear audience, clear vision, all the clairs. We all have the, the capacity for this. But it's really clearing the deck of all the nonsense to really strengthen those connections. So with those strengthened connections that I'm experiencing now, a lot of the dis-ease <laughs> that, that comes um, into my field is, is energy from others uh, or energy from places. And so in that regard, it's a little bit different than really what the book prescribes. But I'd say the connection between all of it is that internal observation and cultivating that awareness of my thoughts, of my internal space. This is the other kicker about our quantum reality is that we'll get dropped into a reactive experience or we'll go down a, a negative thought rabbit hole faster than we can even realize that, we, then, that this is happening to us. And so we just go along for the ride. So I think the biggest distinction that I'm, that I, that, that's been a continuation throughout has been that awareness, cultivating the awareness and the practice of the observation with shortening the distance or the time between having a reaction 
and having a recognition of that reaction. Was that mine? Okay, did I have, was that, do I think that? Do I honestly think that? And if we keep it all in our head, it can be challenging. So if we have a negative thought or if we have a, a, a visceral reaction that drops us into fight, flight, or freeze, and there's no immediate danger, a great practice is to speak it out loud or write it down. Because if we keep it in our heads, it's going to stay in that quantum space. It's going to stay in that, that untethered realm where it bloom like, like bacteria in a Petri dish and really take over. So if I have, a, like today, I, I got dropped into an experience and I started having all kinds of like dark negative thoughts about myself. And because of the place I've gotten to, I'm like, no, that's not mine. Where is that coming from? What's going on? And it ended up being that I would, I, from my personal experience, I was absorbing it from other people, from a few family members and a friend, but the practice was the same, the observation, the awareness and the recognition. That's really where all of this starts. And coming to an understanding that we are not our thoughts, emotions, and reactions, but we experience them and they are here for us to, to gain information from, to, to experience the contrast of and say, yes, that's a good feeling of contrast. I want to experience that more. Or this feels awful. I don't want to experience this more. Now, what are the steps that I can take to do that? So peaceful presence, mindful awareness is the first. And then there are some practices in the book, uh, in the radicals sections about practicing radical honesty with ourselves. So whenever we have a negative thought or whenever we have anything that is a fear outside of falling or a loud noise, because those are the only two natural fears that humans have, loud noises and falling. Anything else is cultivated in life. Anything outside of that, if it's a negative self-talk or if it's something where we're in a depressive or in an anxious state, everything out that we're anxious or we're depressed about, because chances are it's going to be something that had already happened or that may or may not happen. And I can't remember the researcher, but they've done research where the volume of thoughts we have in a day is massive. It's a couple hundred thousand thoughts in a day. And I think 90 to 95% of those are negative because our subconscious mind body only wants to keep us safe. That's its only job. And so in the book, I make the distinction between our energetic core, which is the, the, our, our, our inner light, our, our inner God, our connection to self and source, and our connection to everybody else, and the human body that we're experiencing. And so our subconscious is everything outside of our conscious mind and our energetic core. The challenge is it's also monumentally more powerful than our conscious mind. So the subconscious operates at about conservatively 20 million bits per second from a processing standpoint. Conscious mind operates at closer to 40 bits per second. So conservatively, our subconscious mind is about 50,000 times stronger than our conscious mind. Everything we've ever experienced gets embedded at, our, at the subconscious level. All of the influences from our parents, all the impact from trying out for a sport or going out for a club or really putting ourselves out there, everything is embedded. And our system is going to serve up the programs that are written if it feels that something in the current experience is reflective of something that's happened in the past. This is where PTSD comes into play because that's all PTSD is. It's a program that's running outside of the situation that it was created in. And so really getting to the perspective of I'm not my thoughts, 
feelings or emotion or not my thoughts, emotions or reactions, recognizing that I'm experiencing a body that is pre-programmed for safety and that the majority of the thoughts that I'm having aren't even mine. They're programs that are running within my system of things that I've experienced in the past. So really shifting perspective, like massively shifting perspective from the external world and the inputs we get coming into us to coming at life from an inside out approach using the conscious awareness and cultivating those practices of radical energy or sorry, radical honesty, radical empathy, really being able to see both sides of any coin and recognizing that truth is subjective, recognizing that pretty much everything is subjective in our outer world, coming at the equation from radical acceptance. Things are the way they are right now because of the collective energy that has gone into these things, because of fear, because of greed, uh, because of scarcity, uh, because of feeling unloved or unworthy. And then also looking at it from a, a perspective of radical balance and that there is perceived evil in the world because humans exist and we have free will. There is perceived good in the world because every single one of us is connected to our inner energetic core that is nothing but pure love, pure light, and, and, and pure joy for, for ourselves and for others. And it's onboarding these tidbits and it's being mindful along the way of our internal state. And the other big aspect is asking for help when we've exhausted all of our self-help options. And that was a really big one for me because I was always in this mindset, oh, I can do it. I don't need any help. I can do it by myself. And then really opening up myself to looking at help in places I'm not, I hadn't looked before and being open to new things, being open to different types of energy work, being open to different modalities and different practices of, and ways of being. Onboarding breathwork practices, vigorous diaphragmatic breathing will not only, as in Wim Hof's words, get you high in your own supply, but it's going to drop you right back into that ultimately connected state. Increasing hydration, that's a huge one. I think everybody can, at least 99% of us can utilize more water in our lives, which just helps our energetic system because we're 65, 70% water. Any time we're slightly depleted, we're reducing our energetic potential. That was a lot of different things. But. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in the book. And I can understand that since you've been like accruing these things over a lifetime and putting them in the place over the last five years, that it's, it's easy just to like think of all the things that have helped you out along the way. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like it's a lot to to process, but I can tell by the way you and Kelly show up in the world that it's an integrated thing. So yeah. I would love if you could share just in closing how people can connect with you to maybe participate in the programs you're offering if they're drawn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we've got a radical relationship course, uh, which is kicking off in about two weeks on January 15th. It's a six week course and we're meeting once a week and there's going to be action plans and homework that we take with us back into our, our daily lives between the meetings. And that's really applying the principles in the book to those interpersonal relationships. 
how can we show up more honestly, empathetically accepting and balanced of our partners, of our children, of our siblings, of our parents, of our friends. And it's really applying the more radical approaches of the mental training, the brain games, um, the internal awareness to the expression of relationships in our lives. The other one that is going to launch in January is a self-muscle testing online course. And one of the biggest factors, uh, and this is actually probably, this, this would have been the good short answer to your previous question. Cultivating a self-muscle testing practice um, was probably one of the biggest steps of gaining not only greater insight into what's going on within my system, but cultivating more intuition practice. I got to the point uh, in, in the practices that, that Kelly and I utilize from an energetic or a, you know, a, a quantum shift standpoint, muscle testing is a major component because it gives us insight into our subconscious. It's really like plugging into a terminal on a computer. I was ridiculous with it. I started muscle testing everything, what shirt I should wear, what shampoo I should use, what I was going to eat for lunch, because I was trying out this new technique. I'd never heard of it before. I'd never been exposed to it before. But the more insight I gained in my internal state, again, the more easeful my existence became. Um, and the more I would be able to tap into what felt strong and what I was drawn to, as opposed to what I was not feeling as strongly connected to. So really cultivating that distinction between the distinction of perception between what I have to do or what I should do, which are really externally uh, lo located and what I'm drawn to do, what feels, what hits me with truth bombs on the inside. And so that's going to be a self-study practice that's going to launch in January. Kelly and I are both seeing clients. If you are really ready to do a deep dive and clear out the energetic junk in the trunk and really launch in a 2021 with a supercharged internal state, and it's applicable to anything, whether it's uh, external, I, my business isn't where I want it to be, I'm hitting roadblocks, I'm feeling stuck to internal states of anxiety, depression, physical expressions of these things from sciatica, chronic pain, uh, what's that? Crohn's disease, uh, you know, any of these things that are, um, they don't have an acute source. And all we're doing is, is managing symptoms. There's an energetic cause to it and we can change that energetic state and we can help you do that. So all of that the best place to go is radicalenlightenment.com. Everything's going to be there. The courses are there. The information is there. Connection to social is there. And we've also got some freebies up on the site. If you want to take a free quiz, you can identify what the number one negative subconscious uh, belief is within our systems. And then just identifying that can really give us uh, some jumpstart onto the next step in, in addressing it. Wonderful. Thank you for that wealth of information and thank you for modeling the path of leaning in to the mystery when there's challenges and seeing them as opportunities as opposed to things to run away and avoid and where that can take us absolutely and, and right back at you for being that same light just a, a different place on the field uh, and, and seeing that shine and seeing the work that you do and i love the balance uh, between us, because I feel like a lot of what we do is very similar. My approach might be a little bit more cerebral, and I feel like your approach is much more creative. 
but I do feel like both are, are going towards the same goals for humanity, for the world, for us individually and collectively. Amen, brother. Thank you for that reflection. It's been, a, it's been an absolute joy and pleasure to reconnect with you in this life. <laughs> Likewise. All right, family, that's a good amount of information to download and process. And if you want to connect with Kevin and Kelly further, you can do so at RadicalEnlightenment.com. Kevin, thanks so much. John, thank you. I really appreciate it and looking forward to, to the next one. All right, peace. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Awakening Genius and that you feel closer to embodying your full creative expression. If you like what we're doing here, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Connect with us on social media at Awakening Genius. And if you want to go deeper into anything we talked about on this episode, you can go to awakeninggenius.club. This is Dijon. Much love. Peace.